We'll hear argument now in the case of United States v. Williams. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the Court. Your Honor, I would like to focus on the arguments particularly regarding substantive and procedural errors by the District Court during the sentencing hearing for Mr. Williams. Now, there are several of the arguments that are also mentioned in my brief, but I would like to at least start in focusing on those main errors. The basis of the, start with the procedural errors. The basis of the procedural errors is that the District Court did not explain its reasoning in dealing with the main argument of the unwarranted sentencing disparities among defendants. And what I mean by that is during the sentencing hearing, there were several individuals that testified on behalf of the government. There was a Ricky Rapp who received a sentence of 15 years, a Ronnie Bodke who admitted to selling drugs at the flop house where an individual actually died from an overdose, although that person claimed that they had nothing to do with it. But that individual, Mr. Bodke, was never charged with a federal case and only received a sentence of possession, simple possession, at the state level where he received, his sentence was served at 50%. You had a Dustin Test who received 190 months, a William Zamaro who quite honestly is very disturbing in the disparity here, that this individual admitted to giving another victim of overdose. Mr. Beals, it sounds like you're making an argument to the sentencing judge, which we're not, right? Have we ever held that a sentencing judge erred by imposing a sentence within the guidelines that it erred on the ground of excessive disparity? No, Your Honor, I don't have a... Ever. The answer is no. And one reason is that the Supreme Court held in the Gall case that a sentence within the guidelines necessarily reflects proper attention to the need to avoid unwarranted disparities. So it sounds like you're asking us not only to do something for the first time, but to disagree with the Supreme Court in the process. And that's usually not something we are anxious to do. Well, Your Honor, I am asking the court to do something for the first time, not necessarily to disagree with the Supreme Court in Gall. In this situation, under 18 U.S.C. 3553A6, the court does have a directive to avoid unwarranted sentencing disparities. And the Supreme Court said in Gall that a district judge who imposes a sentence within the guideline range, and I quote, necessarily gave significant weight and consideration to the need to avoid unwarranted disparities. You're asking us to hold otherwise. Well, Your Honor, now under Gall, that would be an argument under substantive, a substantive error. Now, in this situation, we're talking about, I'm initially talking about a procedural error. Now, procedurally, the court still has a responsibility to explain 
any issues regarding any arguments made by the defense under 
The judge did give some additional reasons beyond that. I know you're we're hinging on you sold for your financial gain while the other defendants um, were drug users, which make you more culpable. The judge also went a little further and said, but this is the reason why your sentence is is higher. You controlled and managed the network. Um, you have the most methamphetamine that was available to sell. You directed where the purchases would occur. You cut some dealers out. He also argued you have or stated and gave the statement, you have provided me with anything today to seriously consider going below the guidelines. He noted on the record that Thomas Wright, another defendant, had received 300 months of imprisonment, and, he, and the judge went further and said, I'm going to... The reason why yours is justifiable as to why to go higher, there's not any question that you were the supplier for um, these other, well, I'm going to call them co-conspirators. Well, um, Your Honor, one, um, it's difficult to call them co-conspirators, especially since uh, there was evidence presented at the sentencing that in many respects they were competitors. Um, two, many of these individuals also uh, admitted to having networks of clients at the, at the same number of, of, of clients as, 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 um, as my uh, client had. Three, um, Mr. Wright, that individual that the court specifically mentioned, who had a 300-month sentence, was, was a career offender. And his, his background is significantly um, worse than my client's background. So, you know, that's kind did of a... Mr. Did Mr. Wright threaten three of the 11 witnesses? Well, um, there again, regarding threats to um, the later witnesses, we we have no idea what, whether Mr. Wright threatened any of any of his um, customers who owed money. Um, now, regarding the uh, the likelihood of the actual threats, um, there was some conflicting evidence regarding that. I mean, you 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 had some statements that um, my client supposedly threatened the client was looking for him, and yet he was with another client. Um, at, well, I see my client and my time is getting ready to run out. If it pleases the court, you can, I can finish answering Judge Rovner's question. Um, there was evidence to show that um, when my client was allegedly uh, looking for um, one of his um, uh, clients who uh, who supposedly owed him money that he was making threats to, he was with a Mary Lazari, and when he was with Mary Lazari, um, he was actually pulled over by the police. He was actually searched by the police, and I believe he was taken into custody by the police briefly. And with him being searched, it shows that he was not charged with possession of a weapon or even possession of drugs. So that contradicts some of the, the government's witnesses' statements that supposedly he's making these threats and he's this violent individual. Um, now, the, the other alleged Judge, threats... Judge Rovner, do you want to follow up? No. Okay. Thank you Thank very you. much, counsel. Thank you. Mr. Bertrand. Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court, counsel. My name is Nathan Bertrand. I'm appearing here today on behalf of the United States. And we're asking in this case that the district court sentence be affirmed as it was procedurally correct and was substantively reasonable. Um, just to jump in on a point that was made by Judge Pryor uh, in talking about the sentencing disparity. The judge in this case, at the district court level, acknowledged the defendant's 
criminal history. It referenced his tragic childhood, acknowledged the testimony of his family, and then went on to explain the breadth of his criminal conduct. As was pointed out, citing Mr. Wright's 300-month sentence as the highest so far, and then providing a detailed explanation as to why the defendant in this case was going to receive more punishment. Yes, the government's witnesses were drug dealers. The defense counsel here said there were several witnesses. To be clear, 10 drug dealers were cooperating and testified as to how many customers they had and that the defendant in this case was their either sole or primary supplier. The judge explained the defendant in this case was on a higher spot within the drug trafficking pyramid. He was the one supplying all of these drug dealers with the methamphetamine that they were then selling in Peoria and Tazewell County. To address the point of the drug habit, the government pointed out in its argument, I believe it's page 382 and 83 of the transcript, that there were some inconsistencies with what the defendant was telling probation at various times in his interviews. And it was essentially saying that the defendant was trying to gain favor from the court by portraying himself as a drug addict, when in fact he may not have been. And the court even specifically said on page 419 that it did not believe that the defendant was selling simply to support his habit like some of the government's witnesses were. Just to address a few of the other points that the defendant brought up in terms of the issue with the purity of the methamphetamine in this case, the defendant waived that claim. At no point did he object in the pre-sentencing report or at sentencing as to the purity. He in fact stipulated to the base level offense here and counsel explained at sentencing that this was a strategic decision. The threshold here for that base level offense was 4.5 kilograms of methamphetamine actual. The government was showing evidence at sentencing of 48 kilograms that the accused could be held accountable for. In fact, defense counsel explained that to maintain the objection would have been frivolous. What evidence, assuming that it was not waived, what evidence do we have to support the drug purity used in the PSR calculation? Yes, so in the PSR there were five separate paragraphs in which drugs had been tested by the DEA laboratory here at the North Central, I believe, Chicago laboratory, citing that it was either 100% purity, 98% purity, and then at sentencing a chemical analysis report was submitted to correct the PSR showing that on another occasion drugs that came from the accused tested at 96% purity. So there were multiple instances where drugs attributable to the defendant were tested and were above the threshold to be methamphetamine actual. And in regards to the sentencing enhancements for the threats and the firearms, again, numerous witnesses testified that they had either seen the defendant with a firearm, a few said that they had sold him firearms or traded him firearms in return for methamphetamine or to settle their debts, and numerous individuals testified that they had either been personally threatened or they had seen the defendant threaten other individuals, and text messages were actually introduced at sentencing showing some of those threats. Unless there are any additional questions for me, the United States would rely on our brief, and we respectfully request that this court affirm the district court sentence. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Mr. Beals, we appreciate your willingness to accept the appointment in this case. Thank you. The case is taken under advisement.